if you blah 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 then you might be playing it wrong and welcome to episode 23 of playing it wrong i'm your humble host and as you can tell by the intro i am not feeling it today but i'm gonna put my big boy panties and go ahead and muscle through this episode and hopefully entertain you a little bit because we've got lots of fun stuff on this episode and we've got our live studio audience of two dogs who are Look at me with big puppy eyes, and one's just looking her paws and ignoring me. So, let's start this thing off. Well, let's start this episode off with some listener mail. That's all right. Listener actually emailed me in. It's Mark Walbring of, well, The Yawning Owlbear. Go ahead and listen to his anchor cast. That's The Yawning Owlbear. Uh, Mark reached out to me through the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog and uh, left a little message for me, and let me go ahead and read it for you. Okay, yeah, we'll start off with the odd part, but let's. I uh, was listening to your episode on the lethality of 5e, and I agree, I feel 5e gets underestimated on what the creatures can do in regards to damage. I used to think that this, this when I played a game ran by my buddy Wick, who ran us through some creatures that we pulverized in minutes, when during my 3e days we would have struggled with at most one casualty. It almost felt like it was unbalanced. It didn't feel right when he played, but then again, he was new to DMing, so understandable. What I believe kills the factor of death as a constant is the state and means of which players have to heal, which you can easily remedy with some thought process. Since adjusting the means of, of healing and death saves, I've been able to get a near almost OSR feel with a realistic concern for item management and caution. Plus, creatures, unlike previous editions, may have slight AC decrease, but get a hell of an increase in hit points and damage to attacks. Take the Catalyst, for example. The tail attack used to do a meager 6 points max damage on top of stun. Now it's 5d6 hit points. We're at a max of 5d8. Now it's 7d10. That's a huge jump. Grant also the look of the draw is dice rolls. I've had both good and bad nights where numbers were sad in my favor. I managed to kill three individuals easily with ghouls on the first round with two nat 20s back to back. Granted, I felt bad, but it was a laugh, and the laugh was had by all by the end. I screwed up that sentence. Sorry, Mark. Normally, I don't have much luck with ghouls unless the paralysis gets a lucky hit. So to say that 5e is not lethal or that it's not hard to kill players in 5e, I say use caution to anyone with this thought. Just because you have think you're a super unstoppable force with heals for days doesn't mean that two Onis won't use tactics to fling cones of cold that hit everyone. Well, loving your episodes so far. I'm still trying to get my feet under me with mine, but I'm going down the list of episodes as fast as possible, usually when I'm in the car. Take it easy, keep the mugs full, and keep the stories coming. Thank you, Mark, for writing in, and I'll go ahead and say it now. Eh, listeners, you can reach out on Anchor app and leave a voice message. You can reach on the blog. There's a little contact thing there. You can hit me up through regular old email at magicpigmedia at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, leave a comment there. You know the drill. You're smart people. Those are all very true thoughts, Mark. It's very true that the healing is really fast, and there's a lot of it in 5e. So a good eight hours rest will almost get rid of any damage you take. But I also remember back in our Pathfinder days where the party had taken a lot of damage, the general tactic was rest, cleric loads up on healing spells, heals everybody, and then depending, we may go forth or we may not go forth, just depending. So it's almost like, yeah, they're going to heal up anyway, so let them go. 
But there's something else I just I thought of this week on the lethality of 5e. And this is very much an opinion, but it, I think there's a kernel of truth there if you start looking at it. On 5e, as opposed to especially the old games, 5e requires a lot more system mastery by the dungeon master. Not only do you have the monsters with lots of neat abilities, and 5e's got the lair actions and the legendary actions to keep track of, you also have to keep track of all the tricks that the player characters have that get built into the classes for them to avoid damage, reroll saving throws, heal on their own, blah, 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 avoid this, avoid that, minimize that. So you've got to realize all that stuff as a dungeon master, which makes balancing encounters even more difficult. They don't have to be balanced, but the idea is they should be challenging. Now, I, I said this a long time ago. With this, one. this was, once again, back in the 3E days, 3E slash Pathfinder days, of you got to a certain level where it just became an elaborate game of rock, paper, scissors, because if you had the right magic items and the right spells, you could roll over anything, even though it was a balanced encounter. And it's not so much with 5e, because a lot of the buff spells got limited. But there's still all that crap the characters can do that the DM has taken into account. Old school game, fighter hits crap. The magic user has spells. The cleric has some spells, too. But there wasn't all the extra things thrown in that make it very important for the DM to know not only what the characters can do, but all the abilities that the monsters and then use them in a tactically challenging manner, not just move up, hit. Well, when the monster has better attacks, then move up and hit. So besides that, um, also, Mark, wondering what your house rules are on the lowering the healing. I think there's something in the DMG that I might be using for my next 5e game, which is basically for healing purposes only, not for all the other tricks like amongst key points or warlock spells or as the fighters need abilities if they're a battle master. But for healing of making long rests, short rests. So you just burn off some hit die and heal some of that rather than, hey, I'm sure I'm near death, but eight hours of rest will take care of that. No problem. Thus, endeth my rant on uh, 5e for a while. I'll, I'll do another rant. I know I will, so get over it. So what are we going to move on to next on this little session of uh, stuff? Let's hit up with session summary. I'm not going to do the reverb, the fancy sound effects, because... This week it was kind of boring, so uh, two of the four players couldn't make it. There's a little drama, and I don't do game tra- you know, game group drama on blogs or podcasts. That stuff doesn't belong here. But needless to say, we had two players who did not show up. We played anyway. Um, and it was kind of fun, you know. We had a, I think it was a sorcerer, fighter, and a barbarian. And we killed stuff. Not too much on plot. Not too much RP. It was kind of just totally impromptu. And uh, we got some neat stuff. We actually went, you know what? We're, we want so much something to happen. We'll give the DM so many hooks. Let's play with a deck of many things. And we did. We did actually well on the deck of many things. So hopefully this week, next, excuse me. Like I said, I'm not feeling it today. Despite what I may sound like, I am not feeling it today. Uh, This week is going to be the Labyrinth Lord game, and it's time to kick things up a bit because I'm getting kind of bored to keep on the Borderlands because, well, most of the party's fourth level, and it's one through three, and I know there's some things that they can take almost too easily. So it's time to give them a good block of experience. 
and some plot hooks to get them out of that area and start moving around the world. It's plot hook time, damn it. All right, let's move on to the next thing on this episode. Okay, I'm going to insert an interesting segue here. I don't know what, uh, but actually it's been a very good weekend for Kickstarters. I know Eric Tenkar does a very good job of telling us about Kickstarters that go, go awry and are late or weird, bad things that happen. But I'm going to tell you about all the neat stuff I got in the mail this week, both virtual and physical. First, a big shout out to Tim Gothridge Manish Banners. Sorry about that, Tim. Tim Gothridge Banner Shorts. A lovely and talented man who, thanks to his little Patreon, I got some NPC cards and yay in the mail. And at the same time, I got my physical rewards for Skeeter Green's Crypt of the Science Wizard. I did a review of that earlier from the PDF from the Kickstarter. Now I got my physical book, and the physical adventure is cool. What else is happening? Good. Oh yes, um, more good old updates for old school essentials. Gavin Norman's still pushing out updates for those rewards. That should be coming real soon. Um, the basic books are already PDF distributed, and I'm sure the add-ons of the advanced classes and the genre and the illusionist and druid spells are going to be out soon. Also hitting my virtual mailbox, we have the PDF version of Encephalon Gorgers of the Moon from Frog God Games. They have been doing some Indiegogo campaigns for short print runs of adventures. I haven't backed all of them, but I backed this one. I got my PDF this weekend. I'm reading through it. It looks pretty good, and a review will be coming shortly on the blog. And it is already available in PDF form on drive-thru in the Frog God site. And that means my physical reward should be getting shipped soon. I got another little surprise package on the way from Frog God, but that has to do with their review contest, which I won a little few frog bucks, so I ordered some things for myself. But that's not all this weekend on the Kickstarter front. Also got the PDF reward and ordered the print-on-demand of the Faraway Land OSR version. That looks really good. I've done a little scan through that. I'm really excited about it. Um, the quick review, I'm going to do uh, also a review of that later on when it probably comes more publicly available. But to give you a heads up, if you didn't back it, it's very closely based on White Box and also Swords and Wizardry Continual Light. And you add in the weirdness of Far Away Land for races and everything else. And it's a pretty neat little game. If you, Even if you don't play it, I'll tell you this right now, and you're a White Box fan, get at least a PDF for some reference on spells and some extra monsters and some extra ideas. It's it's worth it. Trust me. Uh, like I said, more detailed review will be forthcoming. All right, And that is the wonderful things that have hit my uh, physical and virtual mailbox. And you know what? Come July and August, there's going to be more stuff hitting the mailbox. Yay! So if you're back Kickstarters, be picky. Back ones that are people who will fulfill. It's not so much give somebody a chance. Just be careful. And also, when things go well, give those creators shout-outs, all right? Don't spend your time just bitching about the ones that go south. Give shout-outs to the creators who do the job and follow up. And with that, gentle listeners, we are going to move on to readings from the Little Brown Books because, like I said, I'm feeling drained this week, but I'm going to muscle through this. And what we're on this week, we're still on Volume 2, Monsters and Treasure. We've finally made it to the treasure, so we're going to start where we left off, and that is Armor because this is really, really short section, because it's one paragraph on armor. 
you know, the whole thing about magical swords last week, and then armor gets a paragraph, basically it makes you harder to hit. Uh, however, there is one extra little thing in this paragraph that is only two sentences long, by the way. If the shield's bonus is greater than that of the armor, there is a one-third chance, I think that's a one-in-three chance, that the blow will be caught by the shield, thus giving the additional subtraction. So I don't know what that means. But, um, so I guess maybe that if a shield has a higher bonus, only the higher of the, than the armor, then only the higher of the two bonuses count? It's not quite clear. So let's go on to miscellaneous weapons. Have bonuses one, two, or three. I mean, that's it. The whole thing on swords, but other things don't have it. But we have more things here on weapons. We have magic arrows, which they do more damage. Magic bows, but th that's it. Do bonus to hit, but not damage. And arrows and bow, magic arrows and bows stack. Warhammers, plus one and per two, and hurled in the same manner as axes. Um, uh, dwarves get a better chance of plus three hammers, especially when throwing it. Dwarves get extra double the range and extra damage. Spears. Same thing. So there, there's a whole detailed thing about magic swords, <coughs> Stormbringer, but like every other weapon gets kind of just glossed over. So uh, let's go on. What's after the miscellaneous weapons? We have potions. All the stuff you can drink. There's one thing I did an old post and a lot of people didn't like it when I talked about Pathfinder and 30, where that I hated crafting rules because it turned the party of adventurers into shopkeepers. And it still does, but, you know, well, it doesn't 5e. But anyway, potions. Basically, one dose equals one use. A sample can be taken without affecting the whole. For those with limited effect, the time will be six turns plus a number of pips rolled on a six-sided die. So d6 plus six turns. Some potions will not be detailed here as they duplicate magic already explained or are self-explanatory. Ah, uh, this is going to be good. So, so far from my experience in reading these, where it says self-explanatory, it usually means see chainmail. Um, all right, growth. You get to be 30 feet in height. Um, and depending, uh, oh, actually, it's depending on how much you drink. But if you drink the whole thing, you're, in, you're 30 feet tall. Diminutization, you'll shrink to one half one foot if the full potion is drink. Giant strength. Give the recipient full giant prowess, including two dice of damage when, a score, when he scores a hit. Okay, gaseous form. Um, bah, 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 bah. Go any place airtight. Arms, armor. Oh, there's one. Of course, his arms, armor, and so on will remain behind. So it only change you into gaseous form, not your gear. Good little add-on here that needs to be brought back. Speed. Doubles normal speed. Yay. Now, that's only movement speed. Doesn't give anything about attacks. Delusion. Um, makes the user believe the potion is whatever he desires, and each potion looks like some other type of potion. Healing. Calls 1d6 plus 1. Just like the light wound spell. What'd you find in chainmail? Just kidding. Longevity reduces 10 game years from the game age of the character drinking it. Note this will counter the effects of aging caused by the staff of withering. <laughs> withering, not withering. The great staff of withering. I have no idea what that is. This is why I told you I'm out of it. You were warned. Um, let's see, undead control, as with animal control, oh, I skipped one, 
I skipped animal control, but there's undead control that works basically the same damn way. Plant control, which, okay, it helps fungi, but other than that, it's very pretty much uses human control. Well, it's like charm person. Uh, giant control, like giant dragon control. All right. Potion of invulnerability. Here we go. Here's something interesting. This potion adds plus two to the defensive capabilities and saving throws. However, more than one dose of this potion during any one week will have the reverse effect. Do you remember the chart in the DMG where drink two potions and see what happens? We need, we need to bring more of this back. Uh, fire resistance. Normal fires will not have any effect on the person who has gained fire resistance through drinking this potion. And the wall of fire spell will not affect the person. Because a plus two to saving throws against fireballs and dragon breath. And takes a minus away from damage caused by these and from Balrog immunization. <laughs> Balrog immunization, yes. Balrog, oh god, please make this freaking day end. I am going to finish in potions here. I will get the treasure finding, a potion which allows the imbider to be able to locate the direction and distance of treasure. Yeah, player characters will like search the orifices of, of a dragon if they think treasure's there. Um, heroism, dual action potion, which makes the normal man act like a hero in all respects, including morale and combat. This potion will cause fighters of 5th to 7th level to increase 2 levels, 8th to 10th to increase by 1 level ability. If you're below 5th level, I don't know what it does to you, because it doesn't say. Anyway, that was our little rant on potions, because, like I said, I am just not feeling it today, and my brain is fried for this day and with those final thoughts dear listeners i will bid you adieu have a wonderful week and a wonderful gaming week and thank you for listening and go ahead stop by the blog at they might be gazebos.blog it's letter b not be find us on facebook they might be gazebos drop me an email at magicpigmedia at gmail.com and what else hey find us on anchor you may or may not be listening on anchor so Download the Anchor app. You can leave a voicemail and hear your own melodious voice asking questions with that. And I guess I'm on iTunes, too. So if you were to leave a review, I guess that's important. So so once again, thank you for listening. Thank you, Mark. Check out Mark's AnchorCast, The Yawning Owlbear. He does some really cool stuff. He was one of my What's Cool Wednesday folks on the blog, which I need to get somebody picked for this week, too. So with that, I will bid you adieu. I've rambled on long enough. Have a great week. Have a great gaming week. And keep those dice a-rolling because it's all about the fun, folks. Thank you for listening.